Hello, and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with a Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 18, Leading by Nature When the great way is abandoned, benevolence and righteousness arise. When wisdom and knowledge appear, great pretenses arises. When family ties are disturbed, devoted children arise. When people are unsettled, loyal ministers arise. That's verse 18 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Stefan Stenud. Stefan hosts a website called Taoistic.com. That's T-A-O-I-S-T-I-C.com. Next, let's break it down. This verse is really simple, and pretty much is only one part. I feel like it's a continuation of the previous verse, verse 17. If that verse talked about the types of leadership, this verse kind of shows what consequences each type of leadership has. And here's our clue. We basically says when the great way is abandoned, or the Tao, right? Benevolence and righteousness arise. So the first type of leadership that we talked about in the last verse is leadership with the great way. And so whenever that's abandoned, these things called values and, and stuff kind of come up. And then the next section or the next piece of, of the verse says when wisdom and knowledge appear, great pretense arises. And that's getting basically for love and praise. When the leader, when the leader leads for the exchange of love and praise, that's when um, fakeness starts happening. And then the next piece of the verse says, when family ties are disturbed, devoted children arise. Okay, so maybe this is a little nebulous, um, but the idea here is that um, 
you know, we see in other translations, they talk about the six kinships or the six different types of relationships. And that's what we're talking about is basically like just like relationships in general and, you know, specifically familial ones for when, you know, in the time of Lao Tzu basically says that people start doing fake stuff. And so when we look at when people are led out of fear or the leader uses fear, then really fake stuff arises. Right. And then the last piece um, that we say in this verse is when people are unsettled, loyal ministers arise. So all of this is basically pointing to, hey, once once we once we lose leadership with a Tao, then there's all these other consequences that kind of come up um, as we kind of devolve uh, into you know down those down down those four or those three levels or those three extra levels. Okay, so um, that's this verse, and um, yeah, I'm going to read it again, and then we'll get right into the discussion. When the great way is abandoned, benevolence and righteousness arise. When wisdom and knowledge appear, great pretenses arises. When family ties are disturbed, devoted children arise. When people are unsettled, loyal ministers arise. Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when considering leading by nature. There are two things. One is basically the consequences of each type of leadership. And two is the solution, which is basically allowing people to be people. Consequences of each type of leadership. I feel like this verse is the natural continuation of our previous verse. If you remember, verse 17 talked about the four types of leadership that we can observe. We saw that each type of leadership has its particular payoff, and that usually we find ourselves caught in one type or another from time to time. Now, let's see how each type denigrates to the next level once we've, quote, lost the Tao. And just a reminder, anytime we lose the Tao, we can always get it back. These are just a couple of road signs for us to use for awareness. Okay, so in verse 13, Charles Johnston translates, When the way was no longer followed, humanity and justice were remarked. To me, this means that when we start identifying the values by which we say we live, we've lost the Tao. I'm practicing compassion and humility today, I say, as I flip off another driver. What? They cut me off. They need to know. (laughs) The next progression? When wisdom and prudence come into sight, great deceit showed itself. Ah, our old frenemies, rationalization and justifications. Have you noticed that when rules are posted, there are always exceptions, always loopholes, always things people get around. But doesn't this also apply to ourselves? Oh, it's, it's okay to have an extra piece. No, I'm going to take it easy today. I'll do the gym tomorrow. Besides, I need a rest day. It's okay for me to be angry with that guy. Did you see what he did with me? 
That wasn't nice. Again, with the identification of values we find in that second type of leadership, leading to get love and praise. Okay, so next comes the third type of leadership, leading using fear as a tool. Charles Johnson translates again, Then, when harmony no longer governed the six kinships, the bonds of family, love, grew conspicuous. In different translations, the six kinships refer to family relations. And I suppose we could extend this to friends as well. Sometimes my friendships are even more intimate than my family relations. For this discussion, I think we can use this idea as those around us in our immediate lives where we have images to uphold. So the third type of leadership, leadership through fear, is born next. Here's an example from the follower to the leader. See how I'm doing what you asked? Now give me what I want. From the leader to the follower. Do you see what a great role model I am? You should make sure that I like you so I don't tell others about you. Or the reverse. Instead of creating fear for others, being afraid that others are spreading rumors about me. Now let's talk about the fourth type of leadership, when the leader is despised. Nothing gets accomplished, and there's only conflict. Lao Tzu says, when states fell into disorder, loyalty and devotion were noted. Here, a system of punishments and rewards is systematically emplaced so that the people who make it look like they follow the rules are rewarded. Groups or cliques emerge. And then, of course, the us-and-them mentality develops. It's no longer inclusive. We can see examples of these points everywhere, either in our personal lives, in the media, and the stories we listen to or watch, and, of course, in any government. Rather than point the finger, though, I'd like us to continue focusing on that which we can affect on a daily basis. Ourselves. We can turn our eyes inward and reflect on how we can do our best to lead with the Tao. So next, let's have a look at how we can allow the world to be as it is and operate with that instead of against that. Allowing people to be people. This is the second section of what I experienced with the verse today. The first section talks about basically the consequences of each types of leadership that we mentioned in the last verse and in this verse. So this section kind of addresses how we can just let people be the way they are. If we find ourselves behaving differently than the ideal, Lao Tzu and his first commentator, Shuang Tzu, provide us with a way to level up until we're back in harmony with the Tao. And that's allow people to be people and nature to be nature. You remember we read from time to time from Lin Yutang. So in a note, Lin Yutang points out that there is more context for this verse further on in Shuang Tzu's commentary. So I'd like to read you a passage from his work. It's actually a commentary on verse 28, but I think it would serve us well to look at it now. I should mention that this is from Lin Yutang's translation in his book, The Wisdom of Lao Tzu, 
published in 1948 by Random House, Incorporated, on pages 161, 162, and 163. The title of this story is The Horse Trainer Polo, from Shuang Tzu. Horses have hooves to carry them over frost and snow, and hair to protect them from wind and cold. They feed on grass and drink water, and fling up their tails and gallop. Such is the real nature of horses. They have no use for ceremonial halls and big dwellings. One day, Polo, or the famous horse trainer, uh, his name was Sun Yang, appeared, saying, I am good at managing horses. So he burned their hair and clipped them, and pared their hooves, and branded them. He put halters around their necks and shackles around their legs, and numbered them according to their stables. The result was that two or three in every ten died. Then he kept them hungry and thirsty, trotting them and galloping them, and taught them to run in formation with the misery of the tasseled bridle in front and the fear of the knotted whip behind until more than half of them died. The potter says, I'm good at managing clay. If I want it round, I use compasses. If rectangular, a square. The carpenter says, I am good at managing wood. If I want it curved, I use an arc. If straight, a line. But on what grounds can we think that the nature of clay and wood desires this application of compasses and square, and arc and line? Nevertheless, every age extols Polo for his skill in training horses, and potters and carpenters for their skill with clay and wood. Those who manage or govern the affairs of the empire make the same mistake. I think one who knows how to govern the empire should not do so. For the people have certain natural instincts to weave and clothe themselves, to till the fields and feed themselves. This is their common character in which all share. So instincts may be called heaven-born. So in the days of perfect nature, men were quiet in their movements and serene in their looks. At that time, there were no paths over mountains, no bridges or boats over waters. All things were produced, each in its natural district. Birds and beasts multiplied, trees and shrubs thrived. Thus it was that birds and beasts could be led by the hand, and one could climb up and peep into the magpie's nest. For in the days of perfect nature, man lived together with birds and beasts, and there was no distinction of kind. Who could know of the distinction between gentlemen and common people? Being all equally without knowledge, their character could not go astray. Being all equally without desires, they were in a state of natural integrity. In this state of natural integrity, the people did not lose their original nature. And then when sages appeared, straining for humanity and limping with justice, doubt and confusion entered men's minds. They said they must make merry by means of music and enforce distinctions by means of ceremony, and the empire became divided against itself. Were the uncarved wood not cut up, who could make sacrificial vessels? Were Tao and character not destroyed, what use would there be for humanity and justice? Were man's natural instincts not lost, what need would there be for music and ceremonies? Were the five notes not confused, who would adopt the six pitch pipes? 
destruction of the natural integrity of things for the production of articles of various kinds. This is the fault of the artisan. Destruction of Tao and character in order to strive for humanity and justice. This is the error of the sages. Wow, that's a lot. Um, cool, though. It's clear to me that Lao Tzu and Shuang Tzu are saying the ancient Chinese version of if it ain't broke, don't fix it or <laughs> leave well enough alone. Fair enough. I get it. And that's really easy to see sometimes. We get counsel from our colleagues, our friends, and our family. But what about the times when it's not as clear? What if we're at work and our employees or colleagues are straying from the mission? How do we address that and allow people to be people? What if our friends are constantly getting themselves into trouble and then they want us to help them carry the load despite all of our advice? What if we see our children or spouses making bad choices that will lead to real consequences for them? Honestly, I feel like there's not much we can physically do initially, especially since we can't lead these people's lives for them. Further, if we consider for a moment that nothing is permanent, we'll realize that perhaps these seemingly dire consequences aren't really that important, all things considered. I'm not saying that we have to stick our heads in the sand and ignore problems, no. That wouldn't be the way of things either, would it? I think we could take a clue from verse 17 when James Legg translates, In the highest antiquity, the people did not know that there were their rulers. We just talked about that in the last episode. We discuss this as the type of leadership that's closest to the Tao and have considered that it can mean leading by example but more so by creating environments for people. Perhaps I can think about what people naturally do, then create an environment that incents them to move back towards the mission. And if and when they stray, instead of criticizing them, maybe looking at my own mistakes. Maybe I didn't create the right environment. Of course, it takes time to get good at this. But I feel that at least being aware of other things we can do gets us taking that first step in the thousand mile journey. If my friends are making mistakes about the only thing I can do is to offer my counsel. They're free, just like everyone else, to travel on their own paths. So what does leading them without knowing I'm there look like? I don't know, maybe it's being there for them to listen when they make mistakes and disengaging them when they keep repeating the same mistakes and waiting for them, always willing to help in whatever way seems appropriate to my higher self, always asking how I can help in a way that's in harmony with a Tao. For the kids and family, well, this is for sure a challenge, but I think it's a more intense mix of creating environments and being there to support. And undoubtedly, it's more hands-on than the first two cases. Now, I don't consider myself an expert on family or parenting, so I'll refrain from proletizing here. I suppose a thought I can offer on this is to always be seeking ways to apply the first type of leadership in these situations. In practicing leading with a Tao, it seems to me that from moment to moment, I've got a choice. I can either do what is the easiest thing and hope it's right, or I can strive to do the next best thing and stay aware, open for learning opportunities so I can get better, always closer 
to leading anonymously. So to wrap up my experience with this verse today and considering leading by nature, I thought about two things. One, I kind of realized the consequences of each type of leadership as set forth by Lao Tzu in this verse. And number two, I looked towards what I could do by allowing people to be people. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of leading by nature in this verse today. There are three things I can do. I can lead by nature at home. I can lead by nature at work. And I can lead by nature with friends. (laughs) So let's think about the people that are in our lives. Let's consider the people around us at home, at work. And during social time. At home, let's think about the people there for a moment. You probably know them very well and have observed them in their most natural states. Don't they have basic natures? Things that they do predictably? Are there any things that you disagree with? I wonder if you've thought, if only they would think this way. If only they would behave that way. I wouldn't have to insert my behavior here. I know I've thought that about people at home. I've wanted my spouse to think about money a certain way. Basically, my way. (laughs) And when she doesn't, I become fearful and agitated. But what if I could allow her to be herself and handle her business? Isn't she entitled to manage the money the way she knows how? Could I recognize that I'm not responsible for emotional well-being when it comes to money? I can ask myself... How can I support her from the background while still not interfering with her preferences? If money isn't the issue, can I become aware of when I'm wanting something for her more than she wants it herself? Would I be willing to return attention to my own business and step in only when she wants me to? Now let's think about people at work. Even if they're my coworkers. Can I assume a leadership role by serving them? I mean, serving them without doing their work. Can I leave them any anonymous little notes that say they're doing a good job? Can I clean those dishes in the community sink when I need a break? Without people knowing it's me, is there any way I can help my coworkers with their jobs? Any little acts of assistance I can provide? Getting extra copies? Running an errand or two once in a while if I have time? Can I contribute to the general positive attitude by talking about good things instead of gossiping and complaining? Okay, let's think about friends now. When I'm with my friends, how do we have fun? Do we explore things together and laugh? Or do we talk about other people we know and make fun of them? Are we inclusive with people that want to join our group or do we push new friends away that aren't like us? As a member of my friends group, would I be willing to allow new people to join? Would I be willing to welcome them into our gatherings? Could I tell stories about positive things instead of complaining about my life? 
As we practice bringing positivity into our interactions with others, we're actually leading with the Tao. We're helping to create environments that are loving, productive, and welcoming. When we do this, it has a ripple effect. I've noticed that people tend to echo back out what I've put in, and it benefits not only me, but others as well. Sometimes all it takes to change the entire personality of a group, whether at home, at work, or with friends, is a small initiative from me. I'd encourage you to try this out just to see what happens. And if you're already practicing, of course, do it a little more. See how little things you do actually make a big difference. And that'll wrap it up today. So to consider the principle of leading by nature, I can do three things. I can consider leading by nature at home, leading by nature at work, and leading by nature with friends. To close this episode out, I will read a final version of verse 18 of the Tao Te Ching, this time translated by Stefan Stenlund. When the great way is abandoned, benevolence and righteousness arise. When wisdom and knowledge appear, great pretense arises. When family ties are disturbed, devoted children arise. When people are unsettled, loyal ministers arise. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.